Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammered Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so well. Uh, any day in December, no question about it. Absolutely no question. We got a good show for you today. Big. Uh, it, it's been it's been a big week for the Pacers. Play in. Or, why do I always call it the play in tourney? Uh, it's the in season tournament. They had a big dust up last night with the Bucks. And uh, they lost one of their own this morning as well. A lot of stuff to cover. Dustin Dopirax back with us here. Love having him on. He's covering the team. We've got you covered on that front. Let's go ahead and get started like we always do with Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. Yeah, and speaking of those Indiana Pacers, just tough. George McGinnis, Hall of Famer forward. Two-time ABA champion, three-time All-Star in the NBA, three-time All-Star in the ABA, passes away at the age of 73. Complications from a cardiac arrest suffered last week at his home. He struggled to walk over the last couple of years, they said, because of a hereditary condition. Just a, uh, a massive figure in the organization, both figuratively and literally. It was huge. So Pacers dealing with that. I, I think they had a little bit of an inkling that that was going to happen. But again, we'll talk with uh, Dustin Opirak here in, uh, in a little bit about that. Also, Pacers were in action last night. The highest over-under total in NBA history in Vegas last night. And it got beat. I, I didn't think they could do it. But they did it. Bucks crushing the Pacers. 140 to 126. Giannis with 64 points. That's a franchise record for scoring. And then a dust up late. And uh, an argument as well about who really has the game ball. And nobody seems to agree. As of right now, who actually has that game ball? Again, we'll have Dustin on here a little bit. He'll talk about it. He'll get the latest. He'll tell me what the Pacers think. They're in D.C. to take on the Wizards tomorrow. Meanwhile, the Bulls, five-and-a-half-point road dogs tonight in Miami. Massive upset last night in the Big Ten. Chicago State. They beat Northwestern last night. It was a, I mean... Two-point finish, 75 to 73, and I'm just I'm I'm shocked. Not just because I told you to 
to take the lay the points, but I mean, Chicago State, even after the win, is still 321 in Ken Palm. They're 323 in adjusted offense. They finally made it out of the 300s on adjusted defense. I mean, this was a legit shocker last night. And the Wildcats were 24 and a half point favorites at home. They're going to take it on DePaul on Sunday. Now you better get it together. You don't want to lose to another one of these uh, Big Ten. I'm sorry, one of these uh, other Chicago teams. DePaul, by the way, is 2-7 and seven on the year. Better than Chicago State if you take, go by the Ken Palm. They're at 205. 200th in adjusted offense, 215 in adjusted defense. Oh, boy. Yeah, you better get on it, boys. Blackhawks in Seattle tonight. They'll take on the Kraken. The Hawks are going off at plus 200 tonight. Jonathan Taylor officially ruled out by the Colts for Saturday's tilt against the Stillers. Also out, right tackle Braden Smith. He'll miss his second consecutive game. More bad news, TJ Watt cleared concussion protocol yesterday. Not a good round of news for the Colts. Adam Schefter reporting that Aiden O'Connell is set to make another start for the Raiders tonight. He replaced Jimmy G as the Raiders starter when Pierce took over for fired Josh McDaniels. Raiders won his first two starts, but since then the team's lost three in a row. AOC's thrown for four interceptions in those three losses. And there you go. That is today's Need to Know News. I mean, I feel bad. You looked at those metrics for last night's game, Northwestern, and you thought, yeah, no, should be able to do this. They were not, uh, they weren't ready. No fans in the stands. We've gone through that before at Purdue sometimes, right? You get those holiday break games where the students are gone. It's a little bit of a different energy. And in the past, sometimes those games weren't necessarily sold out. It just didn't have the same vibe, you know, no band and stuff like that. It just, it was different. And sometimes the players were a little, little off. I get it. I'm not making excuses. But if you're wondering how much that hurts Purdue, it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't think that uh, they dropped it all in the net rankings or anything like that. I think they're still fine. I mean, they're still sitting at fourth. Northwestern, if you're wondering how much of a hit they took, they went from 48 yesterday in Ken Palm. So top 50, it's a tier one game. They dropped to 84. Yeah. But, hey, here's the good news. Purdue's still now undefeated in quad one. Back to 4-0. and oh. But, yeah, that uh, that hurt in that aspect. But, I mean, there's still time. They can work their way back in. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, we're looking at tonight's uh, game here. Do I want to? After last night, I don't have the stomach for this Wisconsin game. The only other Big Ten game tonight, Wisconsin and Jacksonville State, 19 and a half points. Don't have the stomach for it. Full disclosure, I did live hedge last night with like a, a dollar on like a 2,000 plus 2,000 Chicago State early in the second. Just in case. It was a flyer, just in case. Lottery ticket paid off, which is good.
Tonight, though, we're taking a look at the Raiders. Couple things to know here. The Raiders and Chargers uh, injury reports are not ideal. Max Crosby, limited participant on Wednesday, listed as questionable officially with a knee. Says he's not getting shut down. Josh Jacobs, quad, did not practice all week. Questionable going in there tonight. Questions and rumors about whether or not he'll play. Also, rumors about Devontae Adams been dealing with an illness. Uh, he was out on Wednesday, did not practice. So we don't know if he's good to go tonight. Keenan Allen, already listed as out. We know that he is not going to participate. So, I mean, that hurts. Uh, Donald Parham, I mean, they're good tight end there. Been a limited participant all this week, listed as questionable as well. But no Keenan Allen. You're on a backup quarterback in stick. And the Raiders could possibly be without Adams and Jacobs. That's tough. And a dinged-up Max Crosby? What can we do? What can we do? Well, I'll tell you this. The hot pick here, the hot lottery ticket pick, and the odds have come down considerably, is Easton Stick anytime touchdown score. He scored a lot of rushing touchdowns at North Dakota State. He was 49-3 and in four seasons there. He likes to take one-drop shotgun runs near the end zone as well. 41 rushing touchdowns, 17 in his final uh, season. By the way, his rushing total, 19 and a half tonight as well. Very much in play. He's a guy that really liked to use his legs. And a, a rookie, uh, you can tend to fall back on what you do best. Now, um, that's down to around like plus 500. This had been as high as 1,100 any time. I implore you that if you are a believer in that, to go down to your two-touchdown category. And take him at two touchdowns. Put put a quarter on it. Put put fifty cents on it. It's going off at almost uh, anywhere from fifty to a hundred to one. So we'll see. Easton Stick though, very much in vogue for what he can do running the football, especially without Keenan Allen. That he may take off and go. Another guy that's getting uh, starting to pick up here, get it while it's hot, Jacoby Myers. Even if Devontae Adams does play, Myers has been a big favorite of Aiden O'Connell here. Now, Myers, anytime touchdown, if you're getting this at 3-1, to one, that's tremendous value. The Chargers, 27th in DVOA against the pass, have allowed 14 scores to receivers this season. That's bottom five in the NFL. Their last five games, they've allowed nine Passing touchdowns. Myers, also good for a flyer on your first touchdowns tonight. He has five of those on the season.
And the fact that you're getting them at 9-1, to one, somebody that you may have to have uh, on your card tonight. Those are the angles. That's what I got for you. We don't have Aiden props up yet, or at least I haven't seen them because of the uncertainty of whether or not he was going to play. I'm going to go with what we know at this point. I, I think Myers has got some value, especially uh, if Devontae Adams is still feeling those effects of being sick. He's going to draw the attention. That should free up Myers today. I like him. I like Stick on some ladders. Let's ride it out. Let's see what happens. This is not going to be a great game tonight. It's just not. But, you know, I think when it does come live, if you can get in on passing touchdowns, if it's Aiden O'Connell over one and a half passing touchdowns, and it is live now. He's over one passing touchdowns, minus 195. Come on, let me let me bump that up. Can I bump that up? Oh, DraftKings killing me here. 197 passing tonight for Aiden O'Connell as well. I'm just going to back off of that. I'll stick with stick. And I will uh, I will stick with uh, Jacoby Myers. I think those are the guys that I want to target here tonight. Especially if Jacobs is limited or out. And Devontae Adams is limited or out. I think you can take advantage. We're going to take a break. Hang tight. Dustin O'Pirac coming up next. We're going to talk about, it's been an amazing week for the Pacers here. A lot of stuff has happened. Uh, we'll talk with him uh, about that. What happened last night where we stand with that uh, basketball controversy as well. He's next up. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. To the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go. Dustin Pirac from uh, the Star and uh, Pacers Beat Writer. Tremendous guy on the uh, on the Pacers Beat. And uh, we're lucky to have him here after what's been a really a, a strange week, my friend. Um, I, I, there, there was, a, there was a, some rhubarb last night. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute here. But I, I kind of want to go back to Vegas in, in last weekend. The play-in tournament uh, seemed to electrify the city there as they were going to head out to Las Vegas. Kind of give me your reaction to experiencing that firsthand. What was that like? What do you feel like the prestige level of this thing truly was? Kind of recap what that experience was like with the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely odd, and it was fascinating on a lot of levels. I think um, obviously it meant more to the Pacers than it did to the Lakers. They were than it did to the Bucks, or than it did to even I guess the Pelicans. Um, you know, I mean, I think obviously you're still trying to get a sense of okay, what is this event going to mean in the long term? Because you're certainly trying to see okay, well, what's what's the effect going to be? Like you, you saw kind of, all right, this is what the event is like. This is how it was received in Vegas. This was the attendance. This was the ratings. You know, this was just the, the level of sort of national interest. But kind of the next evaluation is, okay, well, what does that do for the team to succeed in it? Is, is, it, a, is it a springboard? Is it something that wears you out in the middle of the year? Is it something that you just forget by the time you get to February, March, and April? Um and so, you know, at, at this point, obviously, it seems like it's a big deal for the Pacers. And it's certainly you look at it and you think it's probably something that's going to affect franchises that are in different places, you know, in different ways. The Pacers are really embracing this as this being a sense of, well, this is something, you know, a lot of the players on this team had not been in a playoff scenario before, especially, you know, Tyrese Halliburton being the best player. Um, and a couple of the other guys, Buddy Heald, certainly Benedict Mather and some of these other guys had never seen a 
situation like this, and some other guys had been on playoff teams but hadn't had to do much, you know, uh, on, on those teams, Aaron Neesmith being one of them. Um, and so, you know, how were they going to deal with this? What was this going to be like? Um, and they, you know, I mean, like, one, that whole experience, like, just the idea of, I mean, it was on a neutral court, which is different, but it was still uh, a packed house. It was a, a one-game-and-go-home kind of deal. In a way, it was almost, it felt a lot more like the NCAA tournament, to be honest, except rather than win and go home, you're, 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 or lose or go home, or win or go home, you're winning or you go back to just playing regular games. You know, like, nothing graduates you. You don't, you, nothing ends for you, but all the same, uh, you know, it, it had a tournament feel that was, you know, two days out there, four days out there where you had kind of in-between media that, that reminds you a lot of just, again, how an NCAA works. Uh, but, I mean, the, you know, the Pacers really, I think, invested a lot in it, felt like they needed the exposure, you know, three times as many TV games as they were going to get all year. Uh, you know, they only had one schedule sitting on TNT in January playing the Celtics in between the quarters, the semis, uh, and the finals they got on three times. Um, and they got everybody talking about them. And I think that's one that, you know, the Pacers really needed that. I think they needed to go out there and get people talking about them so that they could, uh, you know, attract players in trades and free agency, be able to re-sign people that they might acquire in trades, uh, you know, just basically playing up the Tyree Caliburton effect and saying, well, if you can pump, come play for this guy, it's fun, it's enjoyable, you should come do it. Um, so it, it, it's, like it, it was, I think, good for them on a on a playing perspective, just on a on the value of the experience for the players. But for a franchise trying to rebuild itself, it was also a big deal because uh, you know they they needed some exposure, and this certainly got them a whole lot of it. Is it a banner worthy thing if you win? I know the Lakers are like, yeah, we're not going to do it now. I think they're thinking about doing it because they want it, of course. But I mean, like, if Andy wins, is do, do you hoist a banner? When would you when you would you even think to do that? I mean. Uh, when we talk about that prestige level, certainly, like you said, it mean it meant more to Indianapolis. But is that something you feel like you would hang a banner for personally? I think. Well, what it sounds like the Lakers are going to do is that they're having they're calling it a forever banner. Um, and, and so what? Like so, you've seen this in high school gyms and college gyms. It's one of those ones where you have one banner, and every time you win it, you put the year on it. Okay. You know, so like you're not going to hang an individual banner every time you win the in-season tournament. Um, it's sort of like, I mean, I, I, you know, like I know Indiana does was doing this with their Big Tens, where, where it's just they have just sort of a page, IU, I mean. Um, you know, like I, just, you know, it's, it's a place, you know, I, I know IU has one that, that they have like kind of other random stuff on there, you know, NITs, NCAA tournaments, Sweet 16s, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I get that idea of saying, this is something worth noting. It's not something that's, that's worth every event being, you know, making out to be like every one of these is a big deal. Like it, it would make sense. I think if you said, okay, like if you're a playoff team in the NBA, how many times have you made the playoffs? Keep putting more years on there. You know, that's, that's fair to me uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, right. just to kind of have some pride in there. So I, I think that makes sense what the Lakers are doing. I imagine that's probably what the league will tell everybody else to do. I think that's a probably a pretty appropriate message there, uh, uh, Dustin. So, Let's get into what happened last night. Pacers, Bucks. Uh, this game gets billed as uh, in Vegas as the highest point total over under in uh, in NBA history, and of course they found a way to eclipse it even to uh, my shock last night. Pacers had had that recent success against the Bucks, um, and it seems like maybe the Bucks took this one a little bit more personally last night. I know the Pacers don't get the win, but then there's a whole kerfluffle here at the end. Uh, over uh, the basketball and Giannis, and of course Giannis 
uh, throwing that uh, throwing that forearm into uh, Halliburton. And it just it seemed like it jumped up a notch between two teams that I know aren't exactly big fans of each other, but I didn't feel like the personnel are really known to get that testy. Kind of go through what happened with everything last night in your understanding. Yeah, I mean, some of it we're still trying to suss out um, or, or, you know, still trying to figure out, I guess, who's telling the truth or what video is to be believed, uh, you know, on some level. Um, but, no, I think, you know, first off, I mean, the Pacers definitely felt like, and, and the Bucks even, you know, Giannis pretty much said this, that they didn't want to get beat three times. Um, and so they did bring a little bit more chippiness to it, which I think speaks well to the Pacers. That's something I wrote about today is that, hey, they're, they're relevant enough to, for somebody to be mad at them, <laughs> you know, and that's going somewhere for them. I and mean, a couple of years ago, I mean, like they didn't have rivalries or anything like that or anything that felt like that because, you know, they, they, they were, you know, in the midst of a rebuilding phase. And, and you know, anybody they played that they played tough kind of tapped them on the head and said, hey, good for you guys. Uh, but the Bucks were like, we got beat twice by these guys. We got kept out of the finals of this event. You know, didn't got the had to leave Vegas earlier than we wanted to because of these guys. So we, we don't intend on getting beat a third time. And there was a lot more physicality to the game. Uh, you know, Giannis had a shove to, to Tyrese. He apologized for that. But still, there was some other stuff. Uh, Bobby Portis kind of hit uh, Isaiah Jackson in the nose. Um, you know, Aaron Neesmith. He says accidentally kind of tackled Giannis. He said, I was trying to hold him up, but it's really hard to hold that guy up. Mm-hmm. And Bobby Portis got mad about it, and Portis came and shoved him. So all this stuff happens. And then you've got uh, Giannis going, you know, ended up with the, um, you know, the, the franchise scoring record getting 64 points. And I don't know if the Pacers were mad about that or not. They had some, I guess, reason to be on some level because the Pacers put their, uh, you know, bench guys in, but they put them in early. I mean, they, six minutes to go in the fourth when you're down by 17 is a little bit early to, to really empty the bench. Um, and the Bucks left their guys in there. Giannis breaks the record. Pacers come back and make it a 10-point game. Giannis comes back at six more points, does a dunk where he flexes on everybody, which is a little much. Uh, and then this whole thing happens with the ball. So the, the Pacers say, you know, they, they wanted a ball for Oscar Sheway because he had a free throw, and that's the first free throw that counts uh, in the NBA. He had a free throw in the in-season tournament game that, that, that in the final, but that game does not count. It's not part of the regular season standing. So this is the first one that matters. It will be there, you know, on his basketball reference page, you know. Um, so, you know, they wanted a game ball. Don't know if they got the reserve ball or a reserve ball or the ball that was actually used. We see, you see at the end of the video that a Buck security guy, he, he's, you know, he's wearing a Bucks, you know, uh, kind of zip up deal, but he is like their assistant director of security, goes and asks for the rest of the ball. You know, don't know what happens to it after that. Don't know if it stays in the Bucks possession. Do know that Mike Weiner, the Pacers assistant, walks off with a ball. Uh, Giannis is mad about this. Giannis thinks that, that is the game ball, still thinks that's the game ball. Um, it might be the game ball. I don't know, but one way or the other, he got one. He says he doesn't think it's the right one. Uh, the Pacers have one for Shibwe. They think it's a reserve ball. It's a bizarre deal. They, you know, it turned into just a exchange it. Then how about that? Why don't we just exchange it and then everybody's happy because then he thinks he's got his game ball and Shibwe gets what he, you know, what he's probably it's the game ball. Fantastic. Problem no solved. idea. I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know if they didn't want to go back into this. I have no idea. It, I feel like this would be easily resolvable, but I mean, I don't know if they kind of reached the point after it got physical that they kind of wanted to let it go at that point. I don't know. I mean, it's, it was very, very strange. Like I get having a disagreement over it. I don't get having a disagreement over it that leads to you getting physical and, and sort of shouting, shouting in people's faces. That seems a little bit much. It seems like you could work it out. 
I didn't know you, you know, covered seasons of The Real Housewives instead of the NBA, but that's what it kind of sounds like right now. There's more drama than there is game to write about almost. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, you know, it is what it is, and it's uh, it's a long season. We still got more. Before we let you go, uh, I, I did want to bring up uh, here the uh, passing Pacers, Pacers legend George uh, George McGinnis. You know, former Mister Basketball here in the uh, state of Indiana. Yes, he uh, he played down at IU, but he was a, a a tremendous ABA star, NBA All Star as well. He's a Hall of Famer. Kind of put into perspective uh, from a Pacers perspective what he meant to that franchise. Just, I mean, such a huge piece. I mean, just, just such a massive piece of what they were building at the time. You know, obviously, uh, you know, was part of two ABA titles, was, you know, uh, I think it was an MVP in one of those years. Uh, just really kind of started them, uh, you know, just, just really pushed a lot of their legitimacy uh, just as, as a franchise, you know, just sort of really helped keep them going at the time. I mean, his numbers, his last year in the ABA are absurd. You know, 29.8, you know, points, 14.3 rebounds, 6.3 assists. You know, I mean, like, obviously, I didn't watch him. You know, that's, he's certainly before my time. Um, but just even just hearing uh, and, and, and reading about him over the last couple of days and, and stuff that I previously read, just the, the degree to which he kind of helped change the game. You look back at, um, you know, our sports editor, Nat, we just finished the podcast, and he was just saying that, they, like, he is a precursor to a guy like LeBron James. He, he is somebody with that big body that can still do everything. And, and Rick Carlisle was. Um, you know, obviously knew this this was on its way and, and talked about him extensively last night and said, you know, um, he's like he was the guy who really changed the game. He was there. You, you didn't see guys with that big of hands. But he had so much skill, so much talent, was so strong, um, but played this, you know, very, um, you know, versatile game. It wasn't just a guy who scored a rebound. I mean, he could pass. He could, you know, he, he had the capacity to do a whole lot of things. Um, so he really changed the game, changed the pace of the franchise. Uh, and then, you know, had a, you know, even past that, you know, had a great career. I mean, had, you know, was an all-star in the ABA and then went in the NBA and was an all-star there, uh, you know, to help the 76ers was one of their stars getting to the finals um, in his second year there, which really is serving before they got beat by Portland. I mean, just, again, an, an amazing career by, I, I've never crossed paths with him. Everything I've ever heard from anybody who's, who's been around him from for either IU or Pacers reasons. Uh, so he's just a, a prince of a human being. And so, you know, obviously really sad news. Uh, for somebody who's done so many great things, not just for those two, you know, uh, organizations, but also just the city of Indianapolis, maybe one of the best players to come out of uh, the city, you know, maybe second uh, to Oscar Robertson, just a huge, um, just an incredible player and and a a huge loss for for the whole area. Do yourself a favor, folks. Go to the Pacers uh, Twitter account. They've got some pictures and Man, they've got one where I like it almost looks photoshopped. That's how massive his shoulders and chest are. Like it doesn't even look proportional to everything else. Uh, it's uh, yeah. When you talk about a precursor, those guys, those big guys like those that size, that is one hundred percent accurate. Because that dude uh, definitely hit the upper body weights. Uh, you can tell. Dustin Dapirak, Pacers beat writer. Great follow. Make sure you check him out. Uh, you are in what you you headed out to D.C. now, right? We're up against the Wizards next. Yes, indeed. Wizards tomorrow night and uh, Timberwolves on Saturday. So Jeez. a couple more stops on this trip. Well, make sure you ask. I heard Ted, the billionaire Ted, is moving them out to Alexandria. So we're going to figure out, do mm-hmm. I have to call them the Alexandria Wizards now, or are they just going to completely change the franchise name? I, just now I got used to calling them the Wizards and not the Bullets, and uh, yeah. now, now here we go. We're going to change it again. Way to go, Ted. <laughs> exactly. Dustin, thanks so much, buddy. Absolutely. Hey, 
Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Big thank you to Dustin Dopierak there because uh, he has had a wild, wild week here of just trying to follow this team, go out to Las Vegas, out to Milwaukee. Now he's out to D.C. Oh, it's a tough man to track down here, so uh, a big thank you to him. I, I don't get, I don't get a lot that happens in the NBA. I, I just don't. Like, why it took so long to indefinitely suspend Draymond Green? I don't get. I get that things get testy in the heat of battle, but you know, you're all playing the same sport. You're all in the same union. Why some guys just feel the need to to intentionally try to hurt somebody? I, I don't get it. I just don't. And, you know, we've got some audio from that tunnel of Giannis going in after the Pacers to get that ball. And the Pacers are like, nah, we ain't giving you the ball. Forget it. It does seem a little bit petty. But it also seems like Nobody really knew which ball was which. As Dustin told you, there was a there's video of a of a Buck security guy taking that game ball. So you would assume that he does have it. The Pacers seem to think that they have a reserve ball for Oscar. Then switch it out. If you each think each other has the game ball, what's the problem? Just swap it out then. Do we really need all this animosity? Does it need to be that heavy? I mean, it's just, and Dustin brings up a great point. The fact that, you know, the Pacers can get under somebody's skin like this, especially a team like the Bucks that have dominated the Pacers over the years and now seem to be losing some ground all of a sudden. But that's scary stuff. Watch Giannis go running into the tunnel. And you can actually hear, you know, some of the stuff here on the video, too. Does it really need to get to that level? And for all the, you know, all that's made here about, you know, this being on the Pacers and everything, too. Chad Buchanan, the Pacers general manager, got, took a shot to the ribs. All this over, over basket. I get it. It's an important basketball. Hopefully today, cooler heads have prevailed. Giannis still doesn't necessarily think the ball that he got. I guess is the game ball, but he's not even sure. Just call it the ball. Does it matter? It's. Just, it's I enjoy petty. Don't get me wrong. But this just, I am not a fan of dying on the hill of something completely stupid and arbitrary that doesn't need to happen. I, I just don't get it. It just, it seems, it's so bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. And it's, again, anytime, anytime these guys are getting into fights, these are large people. And that could have been a disaster last night. 
I know, I'm probably preaching the choir to you. You're probably like, yeah, I know, it is dumb. I get that it's an important milestone. It's not like the Pacers are going to go and run and put it on eBay. But if, if I'm Oscar, I'd be like, I, I call out and go, listen, if you don't feel like that one is, because I feel like, you know, I've got a reserve ball, I'd be more than happy to take the game ball off your hands. If you believe that, sure thing. Here you go. Diffuse the whole thing. Hey, you know, you got the video the security guy got. You feel like you got it now? I mean, there's more stuff that's come to light that he probably wasn't privy to, but this is insane. It's been a rough week uh, in the NBA. A rough week for the Big Ten last night, too. I saw a lot of people kind of, little little Purdue fans, maybe uh, tap dancing there on that Northwestern grave a little bit. I don't know why you do it. Well, it's not exactly like we've always cleaned up against teams that we should beat in our uh, in our home arena. We've definitely had these, uh, you know, 300 Ken Palm rated teams come in and you've struggled at times over the holidays. It happens. And the loss, like I told you, the Ken Palm rank, you know, from 48 to 84, that just you lost a quad one loss. Your quad one loss now becomes a quad two loss. Now, does that make a huge difference in your net ranking? Eh, not right now, not particularly. You could have faith that, you know, Northwestern does get that turned around. And, again, I still think they're good. I've never said that they were the second best team in the Big Ten. But maybe for the time being now, you have Purdue followed by Illinois, Wisconsin, maybe Ohio State. You can't have Northwestern in that conversation in that second tier after that loss right now. I know they're seven and two. They got the win over Purdue, but you just you can't lose to a team that bad at home and me still give you all kinds of credit for beating number one. Just can't do it. Especially when there's nothing else on the resume for them. I can't credit you a five point win against Dayton. 11-point win against Binghamton. 11-point win against Rhode Island. Not exactly fantastic. So, you know, I relegate them in that regard. But other than that, yeah, they'll, they'll be better. Look, they'll be hyper-focused against DePaul. Then over the holidays, they've got uh, Arizona State coming up. That'll be a little bit of a tester for him. But they got Jackson State. And then, you know, hey, a trip to Illinois is going to be tough. Michigan State looks bad. You get them at home. Penn State's not good. Don't crawl back in there. But it is a stunning loss. And a lot of times losses like that find, you know, they have strange ways of galvanizing teams and, and refocusing them and redoubling efforts. But as a Purdue fan, like I said, I've seen that before, where you look back at years past and you're over the holidays and the kids are gone and the the mojo and Mackey's just not the same. You know what I'm talking about, right? And you don't look as good as you would like to look against 
a Chicago State. I mean, it happens. I'm not, I'm not ready to cast the first stone on this one. Just not. And on top of that, like I said, I don't know why you celebrate it. You, you just took a quad one loss and turned it into a quad two loss. Not ideal. We're going to take our last break. We'll come back some things we may have missed and more next on 1017 The Hammer and 1017 The Hammer. Dot com. So let's wrap it up here with you and uh, time for some of the things that we may have missed. We do have uh, a little bit of breaking news here uh, as of about 10 minutes ago. Another portal addition for Purdue. And I'll be honest with you, it doesn't surprise me a ton, but uh, Garrett Miller is uh, into the portal. The uh, big Purdue tight end. That's a loaded room with uh, more help coming in as well. Uh, he has hit the portal. Thanked his coaches, athletic training staff, and teammates says, can't thank you all enough uh, for all the love and support you've done for me here at Purdue. The careful thought, I decided to enter the transfer portal. Best of luck to Miller. Like I said, uh, Max Clare came out. I know they like Bibber. You're, you're bringing the number one tight end uh, out of high school here as well. Um, it's becoming a loaded room there and maybe he just needs a little space to breathe. Um, but, man, he went down with that knee injury last year. That was just that was the worst. It was nice seeing back there out on the field, um, but uh, perhaps uh, a different situation will work out better for him. So best of luck to Garrett Miller. It's supposed to be a very big weekend on campus too for uh, recruiting for football. Of course, the uh, we're six days away from uh, signing day as well. Portal is open, but uh, signing day is uh, on the way here. Speaking of the portal, looks like Josh Kaltenberger has uh, found himself a home. He was an offensive lineman that jumped in the portal, and he will uh, jump to Maryland. So uh, best of luck to him as uh, the portal giveth, the portal taketh away. And uh, today it's uh, takeaway day, unfortunately. But you know what? Like I keep on telling you, you know, you wait, you get some good news. Attitude changes a little bit. Looking for a job? Guess what? You can now officially apply to be Iowa's offensive coordinator. It is officially live on the Iowa Hawkeyes University website. Does uh, not tell you how much money, but uh, what you'll need is a bachelor's degree or international equivalent. Minimum three years of football coaching experience at the NCAA level or five years of successful coaching experience in a uh, highly competitive league. Demonstrated knowledge of the NCAA rules, yada, yada, yada. So that's what you need. Good luck putting those uh, putting those uh, what is it those uh, cover letters together. That's that was what I was looking for. Cover letters. Best of luck on that. And uh, what you know, at the NCAA, it's world renowned for how good it is um, on both enforcing its standards and creating said standards. You may remember a story from earlier in the week that a federal judge um, had put the kibosh on a rule temporarily that prohibited uh, athletes on their second um, transfer to have to sit out. And so the NCAA had to go, hey, listen, um, this has been, you know, they had to go back to member schools and say, hey, it's been temporarily thrown out. So these kids are eligible. However, new guidance has now come out from the NCAA saying you do this basically at your own risk. 
Now, eligible transfers could still lose a year of eligibility by playing during the 14-day TRO if the court order is reversed. Now, no schools will be penalized, according to Nicole Arbach, uh, retroactively by vacating wins or anything for playing someone who is later deemed to be ineligible if the injunction is not granted. Redshirt rules still apply, and in basketball, you burn your redshirt the second you play a game, just a reminder. So this is amazing. So the player can be punished if they do see the court, but the school won't be. Just seems like a weird double standard there. I don't know. Rules are rules. I, I get it. But if the judge says, hey, this is okay during this period, I do not understand why in the world you feel like you can't. Don't we have a rule in the Constitution that says, hey, we can't make a law and then retroactively enforce it? And it's kind of the same thing. Like the bylaw has been temporarily rescinded. You would, that's the whole point of temporary. You might as well just leave it in place. The NCAA is going to NCAA. It happens. I, I just I don't understand that organization. I just don't. It it looks more and more outdated every single day. All right, excited because uh, tonight we got Thursday night football. It does sound like uh, all things are a go on Aiden O'Connell as he takes on the Chargers. I'll tell you what, man. If he's looking for a rebound game, I mean, this is a secondary. We told you um, just how many, uh, what was it, like nine passing touchdowns given up by the Chargers over the last uh, four games? Is that what we were into? Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, Context, Jared, what were the last four games for the Chargers? Denver, not bad. New England, eh, not bad. Baltimore, eh, and Green Bay. Charges have lost four out of the last five. This should be interesting. I'm telling you, every every year there's always that one game that everybody thinks is going to be low scoring and ugly and bleh and boring, and then all of a sudden it just blows up. This has the potential to be an interesting game. Just with so many big names out and everything, too, we're banged up. This could be. This could end up being wild. We'll see what happens tonight. You can hear the game right here on 1017 The Hammer. That's going to do it for me. I'm out of here. Thank you to Dustin Del Pirac for being on. We're back tomorrow, Friday, bringing you another hour of local sports talk here on The Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Haley's Lock, Safe, and Key has been keeping your stuff safe since 1969 and is proud to announce the arrival of brand new safes from Browning with up to $300 holiday rebates on select models. Browning safes include patented innovations and proven fire protection. See the new Browning safes at Haley's Lock, Safe, and Key and ask about up to $300 rebates on select models. 415 North Earl Avenue in Lafayette and 200 West Spring Street in Crawfordsville. That's Haley's Haley's Lock, Safe, and Key.